Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. everybody. I'm Gina Thomas-Kelly from SB Nation. And I'm Amir Tyree from DraftKings Nation. And we're the hosts of Football Cheat Sheet, a brand new podcast that comes out every Friday and gives you all the tools you need to win money and dominate your friends and fantasy this NFL season. This week, we're going to get started with some standout storylines from week one. And we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs because we didn't really cover that last week. We record on Thursdays. The show drops on Fridays, so it's a little bit too late to really give you any guidance on that. But we really did see some impressive performances from that team last week. Yeah, for sure. If you just look at how many people they have who can be top 10 at their position, just so many with Patrick Mahomes coming back as the favorite to win the MVP this year. Me personally, I was uh, someone who thought he was going to explode against Houston, who had a terrible secondary last year, but a little modest performance from him. And I was he still threw for three touchdowns, which obviously is a great for fantasy production. But I, I was expecting like 300, 330, 340 yards, somewhere in the neighborhood of where your guy Matt Ryan was in week one. I was too. And the thing is, um, you know, the three touchdowns are not surprising. Mahomes is phenomenal. But um, I think that it just says a lot about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and the performance that he had last week. 138 yards, one touchdown. That's a pretty good start for week one for a rookie. So where do you see um, Patrick Mahomes going as far as, as do you think he's going to regress a little bit with a consistent running game? Which me, I want to pat myself on the back because I drafted Clyde in the third round of the one season long draft I'm in. And this was two months ago when he wasn't a sure sure thing starter. So I I just, uh, to me, myself, I was thinking, oh, he's just going to take over. So when um, we had the the opt out, I was like, oh, he's going to get all the touches now. But do you think that's something consistent getting like 25 carries or... I think that they're probably going to switch it up based on how much teams adjust to that run. You know, I think especially for a rookie going into week one, this was such a weird offseason. Nobody really knew what to expect. We know that he was dominant in college. Um, His performance last Thursday, I think, was consistent with what we saw from him in college. So but, you know, it just you don't really know what to expect without a preseason. Um, I do think that teams will adjust and try to key in on him to slow down that run. And if so, then we know exactly what Mahomes is capable of. So I think that we could still see Mahomes being Mahomes this year. Um, it's just going to depend on how successful teams are in shutting down Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, but it's just definitely difficult to get a read on this Kansas City team because a lot of a lot of their guys got bailed out by getting touchdowns like Tyree Kills, five receptions, 46 yards. He got saved by that. His production got saved by that short touchdown throw. Travis Kelsey, six for six, 50 yards, one touchdown as well. So it's really going to be hard. And then you also have Sammy Watkins who uh, contributed with a touchdown as well so it's just going to be so hard to really predict where the points are going to come from for this team but the real test is going to be against the Los Angeles Chargers who are most one of the most well-rounded defenses in the NFL they have that great secondary which didn't get tested too much by Joe Burrow in week one but we know their defensive line is great and it's going to have to see which 
part of their offense they want to emphasize in that week two matchup. Yeah, and the thing that the Chiefs really have going for them is the just the sheer number of weapons that they have. And um, also Mahomes is, I, I just am in awe of him. I love watching him play football, and I really think he's capable of anything. And so I, it's going to be really interesting, though. I think the Chargers are a good matchup, so I'm excited to see that one. And then you mentioned uh, my team. I told everybody last week not to start Matt Ryan, not to start Julio Jones. And um, I am an idiot because <laughs> they put up gaudy, gaudy fantasy numbers. Of course, they lost. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan, 450 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, three receivers over 100 yards. Julio Jones, of course, did not score a touchdown. That's something that you will see Falcons fans complain about consistently. <laughs> but he did put up 157 yards on nine catches. So, you know, he is just unbelievable. And then Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage, who is a name that people probably aren't that familiar with if they're not, if they don't have the misfortune of loving the Atlanta Falcons like I do. Um, nine catches, 115 yards for Gage. I think that he's a guy that Matt Ryan's gotten very comfortable with. He's going to be a guy who's going to be cheaper in DFS. He may be a waiver wire guy in your season long leagues. And I don't think that he's going to put up over 100 yards every week. But if you need somebody inexpensive to plug into your lineup, if you need somebody to pick up off the waiver wire to fill in on a bye week, I think Gage always has the opportunity to go off like this, especially with, you know, Julio, Calvin Ridley and um, Hayden Hurst drawing attention from defenders. He's leading he's leading the NFL in passing yards. So obviously he's off to a, a strong start, but that's looking like one of the more explosive offenses. It's just with them, they have to stop someone. So that'll, <laughs> that'll, that'll be the key. Where they brought in a first round pick in the second in the secondary, but yeah, stopping teams. But also that's like a a team you might want to look as far as if they're playing a good offense, um, and DFS stacking games with them because you know they're capable of putting up points. And if they're not going to stop anyone, there's so much fantasy upside uh, when it comes to daily fantasy of uh, just both sides. So that's definitely something to keep track of. Absolutely. I mean, if, if they're down in the second half, Matt Ryan's going to be slinging it and he has all of these, all of these weapons to throw that ball to. And so, yeah, since the Falcons defense is apparently going to be bad yet again, I do think that that's absolutely something to keep an eye on. And one thing that I would think about is, you know, looking for the end game contests um, in DFS, because if the Falcons are down and you want to play <laughs> in game, if you can pick up Matt Ryan or, you know, one of these receivers, you might be able to, to stack up some yards. For sure. And now we've talked about, uh, two of the better passers in the game. Now let's transition over to Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> and their weird quarterback situation in Chicago. Uh, obviously he won the job over Nick Foles. He comes out against a Detroit team that's missing Jeff Okuda top uh, cornerback in the draft this past year. Those were 242 yards, three touchdowns without any picks and gets a win. He got a break because of the drop DeAndre Swift touchdown pass that Matthew Stafford threw late in the game, slipped right through his hands. Nobody, nobody, just nobody near him really in the end zone. But you have to look at his production now and you have to think he has a sturdy hold on that starting job for at least a couple weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, since the Bears faced the Giants this week and then my Falcons next, and we've already talked extensively about how bad their secondary is, I think that he's got some opportunities to put up those kind of numbers again. And I'm not too sure about how he stacks up against the Giants in week two, which they actually did a pretty good job containing Ben Roethlisberger in week one, who's shaking off a little bit of rust coming off his elbow injury. But those... Uh, coming up around the Fal coming around the Falcons, who 
which they'll see. If, we'll see if they can bounce back in week two and have a better defensive performance. But he has a he has a good chance to just put up some solid stat lines before he has to face some really tough defenses. So just er, just early on, if he's a guy who is lower owned early in the season, just because people are just thinking, oh, maybe he he could get replaced at any second and not play. He's worth a pickup if our leagues who aren't that deep in season long. I, I don't know how your DFS lineup did um, this past week. Mine was okay. I didn't win any money, but um, the players that I did hit on that I recommended last week were <laughs> Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. Uh, they did pretty much exactly what I expected them to do against the Falcons. Looking back, you know, I could have started Matt Ryan and might have finished in the money. And so. Yeah. Again, like I think that I, I, I'm a fan of the Falcons, which means I hate them and I want them to win more than anything. And I think that my bias got in my own way there because I know Matt Ryan can put up these numbers. I've watched him do it his whole career. So that was my big miss last week. Yeah, but well, you definitely got a good one by going with Mr. Unlimited, Russell Wilson <laughs> going crazy. That that video just gets me. Which, But yeah, he's just he's just immensing himself as without without even uh, doing too much, too much um, running. And yeah. just look at um, I, that just transitioned me. He had one of the top fantasy performances of week one, which makes me go over to uh, one of the biggest hit I had um, after our first week pod was Devontae Adams, who is going to just get so many targets this year. We talked about Aaron Rodgers playing with that chip on his back. Devontae Adams puts on almost a pretty similar performance to what DeAndre Hopkins had in week one, where 16 targets, gets 14 catches, over 150 yards, two scores. And then another hit was one of my money line picks, the two that I made at the end of the first episode is that the Packers would upset the Vikings, which they got pretty, one by a good margin. And they're going to they're gonna throw the ball a lot. And then they have that option of Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield. But that passing game and the trio of Devontae Adams and Alan Lazard and uh, Scantling just all together going for 315 yards and four touchdowns between them. So that's, that's another one you want to keep an eye on when they go against weak defenses. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't expect Aaron Aaron Rodgers to, you know, shrug that chip off his shoulder anytime soon. I think that he's going to be coming out with a vengeance every game this season because that's just his personality. And then uh, <laughs> I see that your miss here, um, one of them is the Buccaneers losing to the Saints. I I was, I have to admit, shocked at how poorly Brady played. And I know it's a new team. Um, it's it's a big difference for him. But yeah, that that was a very... I wasn't surprised that they lost, especially on the road. I was surprised that Tom Brady was actually bad. And, you know, I really didn't hate to see it. it they started off on a really strong note. He start, he kicked off the game with a rushing score, and they weren't they weren't doing too bad. But then it just really comes down to chemistry on that team. I do think they're going to pull it together and be one of the better uh, be one of the better teams in their division at some point where it just started going downhill when he had a, a miscue with Mike Evans, who his only catch of the entire game was a touchdown pass, when he almost got shut down completely by uh, Lattimore in that game. So I was kind of worried about Mike Evans last week. Um, he was somebody that I recommended people steer clear of because he was dealing with that injury and it was going to be a game-time decision. And I think that whenever somebody is dinged enough to be a game-time decision, um, yeah. I think that that probably had a lot to do with that. So as Evans gets healthier, I think that he'll be a more consistent target for Brady. But until he's 100%, I would be a little bit wary. Yeah, it looked like he just had a miscue in that game with Brady. Definitely, they'll, they'll be developing chemistry, but also he wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't at his best when he facing one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. And then 
I just want to go over and talk about my other miss, which is Stefan Diggs, who didn't didn't score a touchdown, but got uh, 86 yards through the air against the uh, Jets. Josh Allen, who a lot of people expected could uh, see some regression this year, is looking like one of the be- better fantasy football options in the NFL right now. Absolutely, which is not what I would have expected coming into the season. <laughs> Again, we're working with no preseason, so uh, there are a lot of surprises. Um, and, you know, talking about Mike Evans a second ago, there are some injuries that we're going to want to keep an eye on this week. Um, Kenny Galladay didn't practice on Wednesday. Corey Davis, after having a really big game on Thursday night um, or Monday night, I have no idea what day it is during the pandemic. (laughs) I had to look at my calendar today to know that it was Thursday. So yeah, Corey Davis was out with a hamstring and AJ Brown was too. So that's something that everybody's going to want to keep an eye on this week. Um, George Kittle has a sprained knee. He was out on Wednesday. Jarvis Landry had hip surgery in the offseason and he was limited Wednesday with that. You may see that Julio Jones was limited on Wednesday with a hamstring. Usually the Falcons give him some rest during the week so that he can be fresh for Sunday. And so I'm I'm not too concerned about him. Yeah, which I did see that it looks like um, Landry is going to give it a go. When you look at those key injuries for the Titans, I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in the Jaguars money line in that game at uh, plus three ten. It doesn't look too well. I, you'll have to keep track of it and see how they progress throughout the week. But uh, that Jag the Jaguars team upset the Indianapolis Colts early on. I'm not saying they're gonna be maybe even above an above five hundred team, but if they're limited like that, missing those key pieces on offense. I think they have a chance to make that game interesting. You know, that's just a thing to keep an eye on no matter what, because if you have both of those guys banged up, even if they're able to play, they may not be at 100%. We also, this week and in the future, keep an eye on our Twitter accounts, which we'll give you here at the end of the show. Uh, We're going to do a mailbag every week, so you can send us your fantasy questions, your gambling questions. We're going to be happy to answer them. And the first one, I do want to say, you know, one of these players is on Thursday night, so... It's not really going to help everybody this week, but my friend and my alcoholic podcast co-host, David Walker, asked us if he should uh, hope that David Johnson can keep delivering or if he should maybe switch to Kareem Hunt. And I'm curious what you think about that. For me, it's got to be sticking with Johnson after his week one performance, those uh, seven yards of carry. He's going to be a factor catching the ball out of the backfield. And then the Browns, who everyone expects to, well, I, w- I won't say everyone, but some people think they can have a bounce a bounce back year. They, I feel like they have too many weapons. They don't know how to utilize them. When you look, I have Landry, I have Odell, they made Austin Hooper the highest paid tight end, and then he lost out to David Njoku in, the, in uh, week one, who scored a touchdown, and Hooper gets like two targets. And then you're going to have Nick Chubb splitting those carries in the backfield and the two of them together, where Johnson, you know he's, you know, uh, Duke is going to get some work out as a receiving back out of the backfield, but you know he's going to get a, uh, that steady workload. And there's just too much inconsistency as far as who's going to get the work for the Browns. And John Johnson, I think, is that guy who's going to be their go-to in a major part of that offense where I don't think Deshaun Watson necessarily trusts Randall Cobb, which could change in week two, but he didn't throw to him in the fourth quarter until the fourth quarter against the Chiefs in week one. And he was that he signed that major contract to be their top slot guy and then he gets two targets in garbage time and week one so I'm not I don't I don't know if he has that trust in the receiving court right now so Johnson has to be the guy for me yeah and I I totally agree um what I've always liked about Johnson is his versatility and the thing is he injury is really the only thing that's held him back if he stays healthy 
I would pick him over a lot of guys. So yeah, I think we're in agreement there, David. Go with David Johnson. And then the other question is, and um, this is a really interesting one. I know James Conner is, he's one of my husband's favorite fantasy guys. He's had him on every season long roster since he came in the league, usually starts him in DFS. And of course that did not work out this past week because he had an ankle injury. Um, so Kevin Knight is asking if he should give up on James Conner or hold steady. I think you give him benefit of the doubt and maybe hold on to him for a couple of weeks. It depends on what your running back depth looks like. But when you see Snell go off for over 100 yards in week one, I don't, I don't think they're going to be too pressed to throw Connor back into the fire, especially when he wasn't that productive before he even had his ankle injury. Mm-hmm. It's just a, such an interesting running back situation for the Steelers because they have all the all these guys and they don't necessarily have a bell cow who they're going to go with consistently and then you just see how they switch back and forth Jalen Samuels is going to be a guy who gets into the mix maybe not necessarily upside as high as Snell or Connor but they're going to make use of all the guys they have in their backfield but Snell is the one is the guy who's more of a can run between the tackles I think you hold on for a little bit until uh, Connor gets healthy but if he if he's healthy and then he's still splitting slash taking a uh, backseat to Snell, then I I, I drop him. I, I think you have to give him a little bit of time because of uh, how much the Steelers were positive about him just leading up to the season through camp. Yeah, I completely agree. And I mean, we've seen enough from James Conner to know what he's capable of. Um, the ankle injury doesn't seem like it's going to be anything serious or long term. I definitely would not give up on him. But you know, like Amir said, if Benny Snell is available and you want to grab him just as some insurance, I think that that is an excellent idea. Yeah. And then the Steelers are just so weird where he might he might bounce back in week nine and get like eighty percent of the carries for the rest of the, the the rest of the season when we like we we've seen that where he comes back and like just surges back into prominence. You could definitely hold on to him. And then when he works his way back back into that feature role, that could be something that gives you an edge. We all know that that is extremely, extremely possible. I want to talk about our locks for the week, um, who you think is a sure thing. And so the guy that I'm <laughs> the guy that you're going to notice a theme here, the guy that I'm looking at starting in DFS this week is Dak Prescott, because the Falcons play the Cowboys on the road. Dak did not have a great game last week against the Rams, which isn't all that surprising. But last week, he was really dominant at home, put up really good numbers. Um, and so I think looking at the Falcons' secondary situation and the struggles that they had against Seattle, the defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, said that they maybe keyed in too much on stopping the run against Seattle. And then, you know, let the passing game run wild. But that's something that they're going to have to do this week with Ezekiel Elliott. And so I think that it's just going to create a lot of opportunities for all of those Dallas wide receivers, too. Um, So Dak Prescott is my lock of the week. Don't be too tough on your Falcons. (laughs) There's a chance maybe they could they could rally they could rally and stop. But yeah, when you look at their receiving core, just just on just on paper, it, it doesn't seem like a good matchup. And I could definitely see him. Uh, bouncing back and having a solid performance. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm going to come back and go with Aaron with Aaron Rodgers. If you have him in season long fantasy, you might you might have gotten a steal for him because of how high people are on Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and other more more of those uh, dual threat kind of guys. And DFS and DFS, um, I entered like somewhere between like two or two or three contests, 
And I figured people would be kind of low on him because his receiving court didn't look great without any twenty any 2020 tape to work off. And he came in at 1% owned in the uh, contest that I was in. And I had him with Devontae Adams. I did, I did miss out on the money just a little bit as the rest of my lineup. But people are going to be definitely back on him and higher ownership, especially against a Lions team who, you know, give up 242 yards and three touchdowns to Mitchell Trubisky. But yeah. I, I don't I don't see how you can't go back to him against uh, even if Okuda is uh, bouncing back, asking him to line to line up one on one against Devontae Adams. When you just look at just just the footwork and the physicality and this, the chemistry of uh, Rogers and him together, um, it's hard for me to stay away from that one. And then he's still he's just a hundred dollars more expensive than Dak Prescott against that Detroit Lions defense. So um, I think that's one you have to look at. Yeah, I actually probably will look at him for another lineup um, just because I really think that he is going to I think that he is going to put up big numbers all season long. So now we want to talk about we've talked about the lock of the week, want to talk about the sleepers of the week. And we've already talked about mine a little bit. Benny Snell, maybe he's not really much of a sleeper after his performance last week. Um, I think maybe he's just like napping. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I think even if James Conner plays this week, an ankle injury is tough on a running back. And so I think that Snell will get a pretty decent workload this week. And he's cheap. He's only $4,500. So that obviously frees up money for you to invest more heavily in other positions. So that's the guy who's going to land in my lineups this week. Yeah, he's. Um, it's hard to predict how many people are going to be on him if they look at his week, uh, his week one performance as a fluke. But he's definitely one of the better value plays at running back when you um, just look at the amount of the amount of work he got in week one. He's shown what he's capable of and how he's he can uh, take a significant step forward. But the guy I want to talk about as a sleeper of the week is uh, Quintez Cephas uh, with the Detroit Lions wide receiver. He benefited from Kenny Galladay being out which we'll see if he shapes up in time for week two. But um, I was uh, reading some things, just the reports out of their camp about Matthew Stafford really uh, building a connection with him. And he led all Lions receivers with 10 targets in week one. He did only uh, bring in three receptions, but if you have Stafford giving like 10 of his 40-plus targets your way, then I think that's a good indicator of how capable he thinks you are. So if Gall- if Galladay misses a second straight game, I think he's a guy who at $3,800 on DraftKings and might be a waiver wire guy considering that he didn't put up amazing numbers in week one. He's a guy I think could really get on against Vikings team that gave up a ton of yards outside of uh, Jair Alexander in the secondary. I think some of those uh, secondary guys for the Lions can get, can, uh, get going against them. Absolutely. And I think with Galladay, um, one of the things to keep an eye on, the reports out of practice yesterday were that Galladay didn't do anything. And so, you know, Wednesday injury reports, you got to take them with a grain of salt because they've got two more days. I focus much more on the Friday injury reports because you have them uh, clearly like they'll give you guys status for the week. But um if he's not doing anything in practice on Wednesday, that is a red flag. And so I would say that even if he is able to play, I don't think he's going to be even close to 100%. So I think that that still makes Cephas a great, great option. And then maybe not necessarily a sleeper pick for a season-long fantasy or DFS, but just a money line pick I think is worth keeping an eye on is the New York Giants uh, plus 200 against the Chicago Bears. Um, in week two, where 
one thing I want to look at is they had they were only they only lost by uh, ten points to Pittsburgh in Week One, and that's with Pitts, Pittsburgh's defensive line. Their their defense is going to be just amazing this year because they they absolutely stuffed Saquon Barkley the entire game. He could not get anything going, uh, really really running or like receiving out of the backfield until uh, late game. So Saquon, we know how much of an impact player he can be as far as just the well-rounded running back who's going to do it all and be a major part of the offense. And then the offense is looking to try and get back Golden Tate. You have Darius Slayton, who caught two touchdowns and went over 100 yards. And then they still have uh, Sterling Shepard, who they felt was the best wideout in, the, wide in their camp and was uh, caught six of his six targets. So definitely, I think they have a lot going for them, and they can bounce back after going against one of the premier defenses in the NFL. Uh, Sterling Shepard's been a guy that I've had on that I've rostered, you know, here and there. And he's really he's been boomer bust in the past, but it seems like he does have pretty good chemistry. So, well, we're going to add a new segment this week. Um, For those of you who don't know or who don't follow us on Twitter, Amir and I each have two dogs. I've got Baxter and Bella. And I've got Kovu and Kaiser. (laughs) And so we are going to talk about who's in the doghouse this week. And I decided to go with quarterbacks because there were two. I wasn't surprised that they weren't good, but they were really not good last week. And Sam Darnold is one and Baker Mayfield is the other. And I asked my dog, Bella, she is a five month old French bulldog to choose between the two. And so for Bella, Baker Mayfield's in the doghouse this week, and that fits because he's with the Browns. You know, they've they've got the dog pound up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Baker's in the doghouse. Um, and Baker's gonna be playing tonight, uh, Thursday night against the Bengals. And um, you know, the Bengals got off to a little bit of a rocky start last week, too, but starting a, a rookie quarterback for the first time, there are bound to be some growing pains. With the Browns, there's really no such excuse. You know, Baker's been in the league. I think that this is his third year and not seeing a ton of progression. I don't really put all that on Baker. I think that the Browns are kind of a mess of an organization. Like you mentioned earlier, Amir, they've got all of these weapons and they don't seem to know how to use them. I think that that's really the most apt description of the of the Browns that there is. Um, and so, yeah, Baker is a guy that I would avoid this week unless you are absolutely desperate. Um, maybe you forgot to draft a quarterback in your season long and he's available on the waiver wire, in which case thoughts and prayers to you with that one. But uh, yeah, Baker Mayfield is is my guy who's in the doghouse this week. Yeah, Baker's a guy who really killed me. I lost my uh, my week one matchup. I had a lot of I had a lot of guys who just kind of busted on me in, in week one, but I have high hopes for them for the rest of the season. Is because he he's still yet to really develop that chemistry that he wants with Odell Beckham Jr. Everyone he wants them to be that dominant wide receiver one. He's throwing the ball ten times to him, but you know some of those uh, penalties inter- interfered with uh, the actual play. But just throwing throwing ten times to him and getting a uh, little production, where maybe that's something where he's more emphasized if Jarvis Landry isn't at a hundred percent coming into this game against the Bengals. But yeah, um, just not not having that connection there. It's like, who is Baker Mayfield's go-to guy that hasn't been established? Where you have Darnold, which um, a small small sample size, and I don't necessarily think they'll be able to keep it going as they play against um, San Francisco in Week Two. But Jamison Crowder is easily his best receiver, also going over 100 yards in mm-hmm. in Week One. So it's like he has his number one guy, and Baker Mayfield has. You know, he, he just has he just has so many toys, and he doesn't know, know which one he wants to play with. So, 
But uh, I'm gonna move on to for the doghouse of just another another guy who really killed me in uh, week one. It's my uh, toss up between Mark Ingram and DJ Moore, where Ingram uh, he led the Baltimore he led Baltimore with ten carries in week one. Uh, didn't do too much under uh, thirty rushing yards, but then. Um, J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, came in and monopolized those like goal line carries and scored two touchdowns, seven carries, 22 yards, I believe, and gets all the goal line work. So it it seems like he's the guy who they trust in that scoring territory. Where he can't, Mark Ingram came off a great a great year. He didn't necessarily have top tier rushing yard numbers, but uh, getting that touchdown surge was really what made him so valuable. Yeah. So I started him. I started him in week one. And then he comes away with uh, very little to show for it. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that they can uh, kind of alternate between those two, and maybe he can have a big week. But it, it doesn't look good for him. And then there's DJ Moore, who is looking to step forward as a true wide receiver one. Now they got an upgrade at quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater. But it really looks like they're splitting the work between uh, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore, where they're all kind of getting equal targets. And then you have a weapon like McCaffrey coming out of the backfield who who is going to get his fair share of touches as well. But, yeah, that's just one where it's going to be hard to pick who that uh, top Carolina wideout is going to be. Luckily for me, I did have uh, Robbie Anderson who caught a 75-yard – well, he caught a 25-yard pass, which he took like 50 yards to the crib. So that that definitely was good and uh, worked out for me. But between those two, I have yet – to have my dogs pick which one, but I might put up a video or something on either Friday later, a little later in the day or Saturday ahead of game time to see what we want to make on those pick. But both those those guys are uh, in danger of um, seeing maybe a little bit of decrease as far as involvement in their offenses. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Ingram is a guy that I rostered in week one, two in DFS and just yeah, last year I rostered him quite a bit and it paid off most of the time. And so it was a it was a letdown seeing him. And now not entirely because I'm an Ohio State fan, so I like to see J.K. Dobbins flourishing. That's something that I do enjoy. But yeah, Ingram is one that I'm not going to be as confident in going forward until we get a better sense of how they're going to split up those carries. And I mean, if they even just use him as a goal line back, um, let him be a touchdown vulture. I'm okay with that because... Yeah you still get those points. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Well, that's our show for this week. Amir, where can everybody find your work and find you on Twitter? Well, I'm writing over at uh, DraftKings Nation, where typically um, throughout the week, just starts to advice us across multiple positions, some betting, some betting stuff as far as uh, season awards and things like that. I'm doing that uh, probably like five, like five days a week over on DraftKings Nation. And then on Twitter at it's ITS underscore a miracle, A-M-E-E-R-I-C-L-E. It's really the best Twitter handle um, on it, it, out of everybody's. It's my favorite. Um, you can find me at Gina Thomas at J-E-A-N-N-A Thomas on Twitter. And um, you can find me at SB Nation and at thefalcoholic.com also on the Falcoholic podcast. And um, I do want to mention you have an opportunity to play against us in DFS. This week, I'm going to set up a, it's going to be a standard lineup, $50,000 salary cap, 10 people 
Um, I can do multiple leagues if there's enough interest, a $10 buy-in and the top three pay out. And so I'll put the link to join that up on Twitter tomorrow morning. And so just check out, check that out and join us and um, let me take your money. Yeah, we love that money. So make sure you get in that and fuel the fire. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Good luck with your lineups this week and we'll catch you next time. 